and welcome back to another episode of Talking Talky, the Talk United podcast brought to you by today, myself, Sam Drew, Stephen Dixon. Hello. And Tom Bosper. Good afternoon. So we've uh, good week off the back of a couple of games to discuss. Um, we're going to start with the uh, away game to Solihull on, uh, on Tuesday, in which we finally came away with three points. Yeah, we finally did. Um, I think we all knew the, the form that we had going into that game. Um, playing against a Solihull side away from home is always going to be difficult. Three points is perfect, really, wasn't it? I think all of us would have probably taken a point in that game. Uh, especially before before kickoff, we found out we had four strikers on the bench. Um, not a very spread out mid, uh, sub bench, really. Um, so we went to the game. We were lucky to see Lemonhay Evans was put back in behind Waters and Matt Buse came into the side to play on the right-hand side of the midfield. And we looked good. We looked very solid in that first half. We It was obvious that the wind was going to be a crucial part of the game. And in the first half, we had that behind us. Um, and we got our first goal from the penalty spot, thanks to Asa Hall. Um, it was great work by Whitfield down the left-hand side, who was running the right-back ragged all game, really. And he got in behind, managed to put in a cross, which was handled by the, I think it was probably the centre-half, quite obviously despite the commentators believing that it hit his chest and couldn't understand how it was a penalty, but it was obvious. Uh, so the referee got that right. He scored to go 1-0 up um, and then just kind of saw the half out and came out into the second half, knowing that they were going to really throw everything at us. And they certainly did do that. They had the win behind them, obviously, the second half. And I think the, the game plan, having been high press, get the goal in the first half was sit in, hit them on the break if we can. And that's what exactly, again, what we did. It was a lovely goal. We managed to counter them perfectly. And Lemonet Evans, who just suit, is just so much more suited to playing a central role, found himself just getting into the opposition half, play the perfect ball to Billy Waters. Um, and although it looked like he was going to be through one-on-one, he still had a lot to do. And I think he gave a lovely little drop of the shoulder, switch onto his right foot and put it into the corner. And we were 2-0 up and then we thought, well, we'll just sit in and we've got our second, now just see it out. And <laughs> I think things were going quite well. And then uh, uh, chaos in the last uh, sort of 15 minutes or so, just after the 90-minute mark, uh, McDonald was sent off for a, a second booking, uh, which was a very obvious second booking, but I think there's a bit of debate about the first one and whether he knew he'd been booked or not for time-wasting, which I think in retrospect was correct and certainly was correct given the, the second yellow when he piling into their striker um so yes yeah, so we saw the introduction of Hammond or Harmon I'm not sure how you pronounced it um he... I think it's I think it's Hamon Hamon came on and uh yeah so he came in between the sticks and they had a free kick straight away and I think everyone kind of thought this is they're just going to hit the straight at him and it's going to it's going to flap it in it's going to go in but we survived that uh only to concede from the resulting long throw and that was one of their main threats all game wasn't it they had this uh their fullbacks had these enormous throw-ins aiming for their big strikers so i think they brought on their six foot nine lad at half time and they obviously had adam rooney up there who we know was on big bucks at salford and played for aberdeen and whatever um and yeah they got their they got their goal um and then it was just a classic classic talky performance really we just uh, kind of sat there and we you're watching the game and you just think it's just 
the equalizers come in and I was sat there with the stream on and then I also had my bet 365 open because I was about 20 seconds ahead so I was watching it on there and you could see that there was an attack coming and then uh, finally the final whistle went and it was claimed claimed well from a corner by Hamon and uh, <laughs> we saw, saw the game out for three massive massive points and I think it was a great great all-around team performance I think in my write-up I gave Asa man the match but it could have easily gone to Matt Buse, who came in. We haven't seen him for a while. The forgotten man came in, who's obviously traditionally a central midfielder, who's very industrious, works very hard, and he was put on the right-hand side in midfield to do a job, and he did exactly that. And against a solid hold side, that's a kind of what what we needed, really. Um, Someone's going to put themselves about, and he certainly certainly was a um, pleasure to have on the, in the side that day. Um, other bits to note, I think um, it was good. We obviously signed Scott Bowden um, on loan in classic Gary Johnson uh, form. He's put him into the side without really telling anyone. And then suddenly he's an hour before kickoff, he's announced. So um, he's a striker that we've probably been calling out for. He's a very similar player to Danny Wright. I think he brings not only goals and um, some, uh, some physical presence up front, but also he's got a lot of experience he knows this league well he scored a lot for Chesterfield I'm not quite sure where they've let him go I think they recently well not recently but in the last couple of months had a new manager come in uh, obviously not in he's not in favour there um, but I think all throughout the side all good round performances and it would be easy to think that Sharing and Lewis a relatively inexperienced centre-half uh, pairing were going to crumble under this kind of pressure and they didn't they were completely solid and Jake Andrews at left back again he's he's not a left back is he and he's been asked to play in so many different positions this season and each time he seems to come up trumps and play play well and he certainly did that against Solihull um but all in all a big three points that we certainly needed um and to go into the going to next weekend's game against Hartlepool certainly puts us in a better position than we were and especially after the fact that Sutton scored a 93rd minute penalty I think it was to win away at Dagenham Redbridge so it kind of fends them off a, a little bit longer so all round a good evening. Yeah I mean it was a massive massive win um, and I was going to say I, I, I thought you, you the right up you did for Talkie Talk was really good because it's and I, I think I completely agree with what you said about abuse because you know, he's come in for Flack this season when he hasn't been at his best. But Tuesday, an away game at Solihull is always difficult. Now, they aren't where they should be. They've got injuries um, and, you know, things aren't going their way at the moment. But they're a good side still. And then it's not an easy place to go, especially when you're not on a good run of form. And I don't think many backed us to go and, go and win that one. Um, but it was a perfectly set up game, like you say, because... You know, I think once we'd got that first goal, I think, OK, it's always good to get a penalty because you can't plan for that. But, you know, like you said, great work from Whitfield again. Um, another good penalty from Acer, who for most of the season has been brilliant with his penalties. Um, and I think getting the second goal was 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 crucial. Um, like you say, really, really good goal from Billy. Um, we can see that he can finish well. Um and I think their goal was inevitable. It was always going to come. Um, so I don't blame Hammond for that. And the thing is with, uh, you know, going back to McDonald's red card, that second challenge was really a straight red. You know, he's 
effectively assault, <laughs> committed GBH on a bloke, you know, outside the penalty area, he threw on goal. Um, so the fact that he got a yellow, we're actually, it's actually quite fortunate that he was already on a yellow, dubious or not, because it's only a one-match ban then rather than the three-match ban for the straight red. Um, and I think... I think I think they 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 managed the game to a T really. Um, I thought everyone was really good. Uh, you couldn't really fault any of the players, and um, yeah, it, it's one of those games where, you know, if we end up winning the league, that's one of those games you do look back on and go, wow, that was that was massive. You know, I think it was it's frustrating that we had a trophy game in between. You know that, and obviously Hartlepool on Saturday, but. If you can take that game into the league, then you know into into our well, next run of games in the league, then I don't think we've got anything to worry about, especially with players coming back. Yeah, I, I think you both summed that up well. I mean, for for me, we just I, I didn't really mind. We we just needed to get a win on the board, uh, regardless of how it happened. Um, I mean, yeah, that that last ten minutes is is a talk United ten minutes as they come. <laughs> uh, uh, and to be fair, I do think we need to we need to shout out uh, the the goalkeeper coming on into that kind of cauldron, um, knowing that you know Solihull are um, you know they they have that style and those long throws as Tom said and and that he was going to be put under pressure immediately, um, and and it mattered you know I, I mean essentially he's we've signed him as a he wouldn't have expected to play I don't think at all um, we've signed him as a our third choice keeper and then obviously ended up needing a fourth choice keeper for Woking the weekend after. Um, and, and yeah, for him to get, for him to get on the pitch last, last, you know, stoppage time extended. Um, and, and knowing that he's playing, you know, he's gone from Truro city and he's, he's now playing for the team at the top of the national league and, and a team at the top of the national league that isn't, isn't sauntering teams away four nil anymore. Um, I mean, I would have been shaking at the prospect, but hopefully he has a better mentality than me coming into that. No, I think you're right. When he when he came on, I guess for a lot of substitute goalkeepers when they come on, it's normally for an injury, isn't it, to the first choice goalie? So they normally come on and they have a have a free kick and just get to clear it long and have a time to adjust. Whereas he was thrown instantly into a free kick, which was blocked by the wall, and then obviously we conceded, but. Um, he still then stood his ground for the next, although it was only 10 minutes, he still had a job to do and he did do it. And the claim for the corner for just before the final whistle was was crucial. Um, but it was, I think, going back to the to the McDonald uh, second yellow as well, it was quite confusing at the time, wasn't it? Because the ref took so long to yeah the second yellow. And then in the... Um, in the aftermath of the challenge while he was on the floor then two players started arguing and they've both been booked and you just I don't normally like to criticize referees but he got a lot right but then then that situation just caused so much more chaos yeah that, that, that sort of fueled Solihull a bit more didn't it because they felt so aggrieved by the fact that he was trying to um that McDonald's trying to get one over on them by being injured so he trying to avoid the red card and I think that certainly added some fuel to the fire for their attacking it was really daft wasn't it because that's kind of basic management from a referee is you know a challenge like that is a straight red offense in my opinion um or at least a booking and you've you've just got to get that out of the way quickly but like you say that's the thing and when a goalie usually comes on it's, it's nine times out of ten it's because the other goalie's injured and pulled up so you've got like you say a free kick or a goal kick to take 
just to get that first touch out of the way. And when your first thing is to be facing a free kick and, you know, you know that you're coming on and you're going to be, def- your team are defending for the next five minutes and you're, you're defending a one goal lead or yeah. a two goal lead at the time, maybe. It, it's not an an enjoyable thing because goalies are a weird position. Most players are kind of happy to come on at any stage, but goalkeepers, if they're not told a couple of days before the game, you're the starting goalie, they don't want to play, you know, because a goalie needs to be prepared. They need to get into that frame of mind. So I don't envy him. And, I, you know, the goal was inevitable. Whoever was in goal, we could have had Bobby alleged in goal. They would have scored at some point mm. because, like Stephen says, that's 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 talking United to a T, isn't it? Going going into the stoppage. I, I mean, when the board went up with seven minutes, I um, my dad came around to my came over to watch the game with me um don't worry it's a support bubble before COVID <laughs> started, uh, before the covid please from me but he, he was sat watching relatively calmly i was pacing around the room like i was on a sponsored walk i was it was one of the most uncomfortable ends we get i think because we we really really needed that win um and like you say we're not turning teams over you know three or four nil every week at the moment but it's that stage of the season where that's not going to happen. Any win will do. However you win, it doesn't matter. And I just think it it showed massive character. Bearing in mind, again, we had Jake Andrews at left back. You know, Kyle Cameron, who's, you know, our most influential defender. He wasn't playing. Um, OK, I, I like Billy Waters and I think he was really good, but... You're still playing without a striker that properly fits the system. Of course, that's when, you know, Scott Bowden came on and I think his biggest contribution was taking it to the corn flag for a minute. Um, But you'd like to think that he is going to be that, especially while Wright's out for the next sort of two or three weeks, whatever it is, that Bowden will step up into that role and and be the perfect kind of replacement as, as such. Just on uh, just on Bowden coming in, do you think it's a, a little slap in the face for Rob Street, who we've obviously signed to try and fill the hole of Danny Wright, and it hasn't, you know, it hasn't really worked for whatever reason? Do you think that as a young player, that that seeing Bowden walking in as well, he'll take that as a little slap in the face, or will he know that it's a 31-year-old experienced striker who gets goals? I you mean, know, I think if you're if you're Street, you can look at it in two ways, can't you? You can either throw toys out the pram, ask to go straight back to Palace as soon as possible, or I guess the whole point of him coming down to Torquay wasn't always to be first choice striker. He's always going to come in, isn't he? And it's going to be all about an education, really. It's going to be getting his first minutes in the men's football. And if you're playing, obviously, he still sees Danny Wright, I, I guess, when at the training ground or in the physio room, wherever. Getting tips from him. 30, he's 35, isn't he? Right, 36, maybe. 36, um, though. 36. We've got Bowden coming, he's 31. These guys know what they're talking about when it comes to being a striker for a good good professional football club. Um so I think you can you can be annoyed. I get if you want to if you just want to play football, you stay at Crystal Palace, don't you, under 23s and you just keep scoring goals. But if you want to learn something then I think this is I'd see it as an opportunity, but maybe I'm just being a bit too too positive. Maybe I'd maybe No, I I, I agree. I think a lot of it is is being in and around a first team. You know, except Palace, he's not going to be getting close to cleaning their boots at the moment um so really his his experience will be playing in the in the under 21s playing well and and that's it but to be involved in a first team and see the actual kind of 
the brute kind of the brutal reality of first team men's football will be key for him but I said to someone the other day um the problem is you get these players who now whether it's at Palace or someone else Rob Street will most likely go on to have a good football league career you know but how many times have we signed players you know you look at that season under Hargreaves when we came down um you know we have players like Jaden Stockley Aidan O'Brien Connor Wilkinson Paul McCallum Paul McCallum, all good players who have gone on to have very good either kind of conference or, you know, League One, League Two, in some cases, championship careers. But it's just a little bit too early in the scenario. Now, if you're a mid-table club, so so I'm trying to think of, you know, say Chesterfield, I don't know, or Solihull, someone who's kind of mid-table could get the playoffs. If you're getting in one of those strikers, there's not an awful lot of pressure on. You know, it's that kind of look come in, you know, we're doing okay, this is our goal. It's a little bit more freedom. If you're coming into a club who are fighting to win a like win a promotion or fighting to save themselves from relegation, there's so much pressure. There really is no room for error. It's that kind of, right, if it doesn't work, sorry, that's not happening. You know, Rob Street has had a few chances. There's a player in there, of course, but sometimes if you don't get that early goal... It's not going to happen. You look at Jane when he came in from Bristol City. First couple of games, he was doing everything right apart from scoring. And when he scored, he was then off the mark and that was it. But he's, you know, a lot of players, if you don't get that goal, you almost think it's probably not going to happen at that club in this scenario. And I think that's the problem with Rob Street. And if he's the sort of person to take that as a bit of a slap on the face, then he probably won't go very far in football. Brutal. Oh, Sam Drew's verdict. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're comparing, um, going back to your point about Jana, I think the, the only difference I'd say is that Jana came in and he was part of the front two, wasn't it? It was him and Reed. Yeah. It was always 4 4 2, whereas Street was brought in to replace Wright, so he's the focal point. And then that hasn't really worked, so we've then changed to a two up front. And then you see Lemon Hay Evans is playing ahead of you up front, and there's just so many, so many issues that he's had so far hasn't he where it's been quite I guess he hasn't really had the quite the run of games that he had won or I'm not sure if he was expecting to get the run of games or not but he'd certainly come in to be well he's what is he now fourth or fifth he's fifth choice now isn't he I'd say yeah um yeah I think a good good three points um and a good all-round performance Okay, then moving on to the FA Trophy tie away at Woking yesterday. Um, unfortunately, neither myself, Tom, or Stephen watched that game. So, in the lookout for a decent emergency loan, we struggled. So, here's Matt Parkman. Lovely. Thanks very much. Honestly, it's, um, I'd like to congratulate this on being Sam's last appearance <laughs> on the Talking Chalky podcast. Uh, yes, hello, everybody. I, um, I, as Sam says, I've been drafted in as an emergency loan late on because I'm the only one uh, of all of us that do this podcast that actually watched the Woking game yesterday. Um, yeah, it was all a bit, all a bit weird. Um, we had a goalkeeper in net that no one had ever heard of. Um, I got advanced warning of this guy's uh, materialization about, I don't know, an hour before kickoff, something or an hour before it was announced, something like that, um, which is why those of you who follow me on Twitter might have been a bit bemused when I, I tweeted. All, all I'll say is this. I wish I'd known about this guy before I was playing Scrabble last night. 
Um, anybody with two Zs in their name is uh, always going to be a favourite on the Scrabble board. And yeah, so this, this goalkeeper who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, I've no idea. Um, yesterday's commentator for Woking managed to be able to pronounce this Polish goalie's name correctly with two Zs in it, I may remind you, uh, but struggled with Asa, Asa Hall. Ridiculous. Absolute madness. Um, but anyway, he played in goal uh, and we had a right-sided midfielder in Jake Andrews at left back. We had a right back at centre back. We had, I don't know, all sorts of weird and wonderful players in weird and wonderful positions. We had Max Sheaf on the pitch. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't have thought of using him there either. And it went about as well as you'd expect. Actually, that isn't quite fair. We played quite well, as it happens. We we passed the ball quite neatly. We looked a threat. We certainly should have scored. And um, we managed sort of to, to not. I don't really know how we managed not to score. Waters had three guilt edge chances, basically identical to the one that he'd finished off really, really neatly uh, in midweek and managed to hit the goalkeeper with all three. Sheaf carved out the best chance of the first half, including the header that they had from two yards and our penalty. And it was still the best chance of the half. And he contrived to hit the goalkeeper as well. We missed a pen, uh, which may or may not have been justice because it may or may not have been a penalty. They had one cleared off the line and scored a goal and actually forced new boy goalie into a decent save all in the first half. And then really second half, it was all us. They had a little patch, maybe five minutes, where they put together two or three quite neat moves on the break. Uh, and missed the target with all of them. Absolutely incredible. Ridiculously wasteful finishing. Uh, missed the target with every single effort. And sort of we huffed and we puffed and we had all these chances. And if we'd have scored six, Woking couldn't really have argued. And we scored none. And then all hell broke loose. Uh, we got a free kick, a, a delivery actually from set pieces yesterday, apart from one which their commentators would not let go, where I think the lemon just kicked the ground or the flag as he hit the ball, so it just dribbled straight out of play. And he would not stop banging on about it being the worst corner he'd ever seen, despite the fact that three minutes earlier, one of theirs had had a throw in and thrown a long throw straight out for a goal kick. So, I mean, he had a bit of a cheek. But the... Um, yeah, ball was out wide. We got probably our third or fourth wide free kick. And Andrews sent in a really good delivery. They were obviously listening to the podcast last week because we were complaining last week about um, Evans being given dead ball responsibility when, in fact, Andrews is the man with the talent for it. He launched in a really nice ball. And there were 21 players in the box because our goalie had come up for it. And it sort of went over and through everybody. Got swung in, really nice delivery, really good. One of those that sort of pins the goalkeeper. If he if it gets a touch, it's going in. If it doesn't get a touch, it's going in at the far post. It looks to me like it gets a touch from somebody who can't possibly be offside um, at sort of at the near post. He's going in anyway, but Waters chucks himself at it. 
Now, it's pretty clear from the replay that Waters doesn't get a touch. You can see the ball doesn't deviate, doesn't move. Waters doesn't get anywhere near it, apart from anything else. He was throwing himself at a diving header. He's about four foot three. So what chance did he have of, of reaching it? Anyway, he, he didn't touch. I'm pretty sure he didn't touch it as accurate as you can or as confident as you can be of something like that on a stream, whatever. I don't think he touches it. So uh, the flag goes up, gets ruled out, etc. Johnson at the full time whistle, which was about 30 seconds later, he's over talking to I think rather than remonstrating with but he, he's having a chat with the, the officials and they seem to be sort of placating him and saying no it was this it was that comes out in his post-match interview and says the liner has told us that the offside has been given for Billy Waters heading it over the line well Billy Waters didn't head it over the line so I'm pretty confident in saying we've equalized and thoroughly deserved um, as an equalizer the good thing is I'm not bothered because I, despite protestations from one or two other people on this podcast, I still wasn't overly bothered about being in the trophy. It's a distraction. Sat in a hot on our heels. We've got a lot of important league games coming up. We do not need inevitably a trip to bloody Notts County on the horizon to take away from our preparations for Hartlepool and one or two of the other important games coming up. So I'm not fussed. Let Woking have their Mickey Mouse part. The sooner we can get back to never thinking about the FA Trophy again because we're in the Football League, the better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, in terms of anything else? No, not much to report really. The goalkeeper is a good shot stopper, but he's a bit of a flapper when it comes to getting crosses and things. He seems to want to come for absolutely everything whether he's got to go through 12 bodies to the edge of the box to get there or whether it's a simple catch. Um, he, he kind of wants to come for everything. All right, fine. Maybe he's keen to impress. I don't know. Uh, but shot, shot stopping is good. The save, he only made two saves in the whole game, really. And they were both pretty good. Uh, one low down to his left uh, curling shot that bounced just in front of him. He did well to readjust and get his hand up and turn it wide. And one in about the 91st minute that Max Kretschmar came on. Uh, thundered a 25-yarder that was arrowing for the top corner. It was a hell of an effort, to be fair to the bloke. Um, and, mate, he got across. Good, strong right hand to it, pushed it away for a corner. Um, so, yeah, decent shot stopper. Not absolutely certain about him as a keeper. Um, Hall's penalty miss. He hit it really, really hard, and but at a nice height and not an awfully long way to the goal he left. As soon as keeper went the right way, he was going to save it. Um, that knocked us out of our stride really was it a penalty? Pass don't know, um, it's definitely foul it's a question of whether it was in the box I think, yeah if you'd have zoomed right in with VAR you might have seen it was on the line you might have seen it was just outside the line referee initially gave a free kick uh, and then it was overruled by the lino how the linesman can have, can have had a better view I don't know so yeah, plenty of, plenty of talking points from a strange game that I don't really care that we've lost Matt, I reckon um, a, a lot of fans will probably be in a similar situation to us in the pod and that a lot would have not bothered tuning in for the FA Trophy. I think the main question people want to know, and I, I think I got the idea from from your report there, as succinctly put as it was, did we look more threatening? Because my main concern has been that we aren't creating enough. Did, did, I know we didn't score, obviously, but did, did it look like there was at least a bit more fluency in our attack? Yes, yeah, we... 
we muffed up <laughs> a lot. We were, I mean, Waters, if you'll see the highlights. Sheaf, credit to him. He did two things in the game, Sheaf. Created an incredible one-on-one that he squandered and got booked for the most ridiculous challenge. He was never going to win the ball. It was a strange game for the bloke. Um, it looks like he might have had a haircut, so I'm, I'm a bit wary uh, whether, in fact, what we've done is sign a ringer because it didn't look like Sheaf. But uh, yeah, he, he carved carved his way through, uh, picked past a couple of defenders and um, and then managed to hit the goalkeeper from like a yard. I don't really know how. Uh, Waters had, as I say, two or three that were similar to the ones that um, that he scored in midweek. We picked up a few free kicks. Whitfield had a pretty good game. It was a difficult pitch. In fairness, um, it was rock hard and very bobbly. And two or three, in fact, more than that, four or five times, I think Whitfield got away down that left-hand side and the ball just managed to kick up at the wrong moment. Trying to play a a sort of clever pass through and and it just bobbles up. So it comes up his shin and doesn't quite go right. So, yeah, it was was a much better performance. It was a more fluid performance. Uh, We looked... Incredibly, we looked more cohesive with this ragtag random 11 than we did over the last two or three weeks with the sort of proper proper players that we've had available. If we'd have had Danny Wright on the pitch, we would have scored five or six yesterday because he would have snaffled up all the um, all the Waters ones. And if he hadn't, if Waters had been there and created those same chances, we didn't get any of the rebounds either. So it wasn't as though we were the goalie was keeping hold of them or they were going wide or whatever. He was hitting the keeper. The keeper was parrying them out to like eight yards out. We'd have two or three blokes on. Right? There was, it was one where we did. We had three men on rush into a parry five yards out with nobody else in the box. And they all fell over. That's how bad this pitch was. They just, two of them, I think, wiped each other out. Another slit. And then they managed to, Woking managed to hook it clear. And all, all we needed was just one of those to fall to us. If we'd have scored the penalty, been a completely different game because Woking then had something to hold on to. They had um, they had two outlets. They had that Jamal Loza. They they recently got back from wherever they let him go to. I'm sure he's and, played to work, played for Woking about eight separate times now. Yeah, he, he comes he, and he, he goes. seems to, yeah. But he's back and he was very good yesterday. And uh, was it Napper? Didn't write a guy's name down. He won't be at Woking for very long. He's really really good. Um, He's another one of those that is the player that um, that guy from Boreham Wood, Sorba Thomas, thinks mm. he is. Um, couldn't get the ball off him. Like Whitfield at his best, couldn't get the ball off him, went past people at, at will, had a had a nice touch, decent shot. I think he set up the goal. Um, no surprise that it was over two for the goal. Um, so, yeah, a couple of decent players, and the rest of them were, were terrible. I'm not going to mention Ben Gehring, who had... Probably his best game in a Woking shirt yesterday. <laughs> Just really annoying. He, 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 despite that, we still carved out, you know, plenty of really good chances. But it would have been even more really good chances if if Gehring hadn't played quite so well. So, yeah, ultimately, yes, we did look better. We looked much more threatening. Um, we we should have won the game. We should have won the game pretty comfortably, and we didn't. I'm not asked. If that happens in the league game, I will be livid. But because it was a trophy game, I don't care. 
I'm not bothered. Say la vie, never ever have to play in the FA Trophy again with any luck, and that will suit me down to the ground. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people thought, I think the only thing that irritates anyone slightly is the fact that it's woking, but even even though it's woking, you can still have that joke of, look, you're welcome to the booby prize. You know, you saw that, um, you know, old Rory Keating still at it on Twitter, trying to <laughs> forge your way back into the club. Uh, I can still come for meetings. Anyone for a meeting? <laughs> Wednesday it's, works. Um, it's, um, it's strange because it's, I get the impression it's Gary Johnson that is Keating's problem at Torquay. I think he loves the club. I just think that he and Johnson, for whatever reason, didn't get on. That that will happen. Managers and players don't get on all the time. Ferguson didn't get on with Beckham. So <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, don't take this as gospel. He Keating, I believe, I think he probably thinks a bit more of his abilities than he's actually got. Um and last season, he spent a lot of time on the bench when Jamie Reid was scoring, Ben Whitfield was scoring, um, Kalala was scoring in that kind of formation we were playing. And I think Keating was probably a little bit too enthusiastic to make his thoughts known to the manager. And I think Gary Johnson got to the point where it's like, actually, we want to take this club up. Is Keat, you know, OK, in hindsight, would Keating have got in over the last month? Of course he would. Of course, he's the sort of player you'd want in the team. Does he kind of push you on to the next level in this league? I don't think he does. You look at his goal return when he was at Torquay, even in the Conference South, he never scored that many. So I love that he's still enthusiastic. I love that he's another player that's kind of... Torquay is one of those clubs. I know every fan will say this about their club, but it's one of those clubs where it does get 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 beneath your skin. It's it, You feel a part of it. I'm really glad he's bought into all of that, but... Sometimes I do find it a little bit. Come on, let's, yeah. let's focus let's be on the serious now. Focus on the positive. Let's focus on the current, Rory. Um, but no, I think going out of the trophy isn't the worst thing in the world by any stretch. It's you look at the injuries this season, and especially with the you, you know and, and the teams around us in the league. Okay, Sutton are ca- kind of hot on our heels, like you say. Sutton haven't had any injuries this year. Uh, they also went out of the trophy, so that's got to be a factor. Um, Notts County, who I believe is, they are our only uh, real challengers, I I think. I think Sutton will, you, you know, you look at Sutton's next seven, they've got two home games out of the next seven. Now, OK, in this current climate, does playing away make an awful lot of difference without fans? Maybe, maybe not. Does it make an awful lot of difference if it's a different type of pitch than you're used to playing on? Yes, I think the next seven will really determine where they're going to end up. Um, not Notts County have now got another game to play. You know, they're into the semi-final. OK, when you get this far, is it does it kind of help with momentum? Probably. Does it also contribute to fatigue and injuries, especially muscle injuries, which you get when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday all season? Yes, it does. So I think, like you say, Matt, to avoid a potential extra trip up to Nottingham is probably you know a bit of a bonus um and you think we've now got another week where we haven't got a midweek game so we've got a a solid seven days of recovery and prep time um and Notts County at some point in the season won't have that you know over the next seven weeks uh or the next seven fixtures Sutton don't have that so I think it's a good time to go out 
and with you know extra time coming back, I believe that there are a couple of players who are they're not injured anymore. And when I say a couple of players, Moxie and Little, they're not injured. It's more a case of don't bring them back for the sake of them not being, you know, having another setback. So, you know, I think that's why it was another kind of shuffled 11 yesterday. I think going into Hartlepool on Saturday, you're looking at a couple of players back. All right. For me, Little doesn't walk into the team anymore. Um, I think I think Randall is... It, it's kind of one of the first names in the team sheet next to Asa Hall. And if you've got the wide players, then Evans has to start kind of in the hole. Um, if you can get Moxie back at left back, it just balances out the back four. And, you know, Scott Bowden presumably will start on Saturday. So, you know, I think... I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I look, like the look of that Bowden. I think he's going to be all right for us. Um, well, he's been good for years. And he's one of those, he's scored against us before plenty of times. He's played in the league. He's played in this league. He, we couldn't really have asked for a better replacement for Danny Wright. And, you know, he obviously is well up for it because the reality is if he's, you know, unless him and his whole family are moving down and renting somewhere, he's not going to see his family for two months. You know, because he'll be in a bubble in the Gull's Nest or, sorry, Gull's Lodge or whatever with whoever he's living with. So as COVID laws state, he won't be allowed to travel up and see his family. You know, unless he drives up for a day for a walk with them when that rule changes so he's obviously here for the right reasons yeah but when you get to see that when you get to see the national league trophy that's worth it isn't it you can well exactly <laughs> um i think i I'd, I'd a lot of players would do the same to have the chance to play with uh to play you know to play with armani little and ben whitfield um to follow on from woking i've invented a game well i haven't invented a game i've made a game do you want to play a game Yes, I'd love to play a game, Matthew. That sounds like ominous, like the Joker. Like, <laughs> do you want to play a long game? It's the guy from Saw, isn't I, it? I did a, yeah, I do. I do. I used to do quite a good impression of the. Um, do you want to play a game? That's oh, the one. That's, that's, that's really Saw. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. properly creepy. Um, we're calling it. Well, I'm calling it Five Steps to Bevan. Hey. Hey. Thank you very much. So, yeah, essentially. Um, it's called Five Steps to Bevan because I'm going to give out five clues to um, a Torquay United player, player who has, has played for Torquay, uh, past or present. And uh, it's going to work for those of you who watch Only Connect. Uh, it's going to work in that scoring system. So if you get it after one clue, you're going to get five points. Two Ooh. clues is four points. All the way down to one point for getting it after the fifth clue. So if you, um, when you think you've got it... Um, Tell us who you are and what you what you think the answer is. And uh, if you're playing along at home, and I, I think you should because it's a good game, uh, we will give out uh, we'll give out the answers shortly, and you'll be able to see whether you got it right or not. Uh, and then we'll be asking you to let us know on Twitter and other places how many points you got, and then we'll make a leaderboard and we'll um, we'll see who wins a prize at the end of the season. The answer is mm. nobody. There is no prize. So. <laughs> To kick us off then, um, for five points, who am I talking about here? He's a defender who made 74 appearances for us between 2013 and 2015. Stephen. Yeah, uh, go on. I've gone in early and I think I'm well off actually, but I'll go for like Sean McGinty. 
Sean McGinty, no, it's not Sean McGinty, I'm afraid. That's wrong timeline, isn't it? Yeah, that's completely yeah. wrong. I, I can't begin I to tell you how many who it is. I'm going to wait, wait for the next clue, but I think I know who it is. I'd also like to say, if anyone beats me and Ben Curry at this game, then I will buy you a prize. Wait, well, so I, wait, does everyone not guess, guess every round? round? Yeah, do we not get a guess each round, or are we frozen? Well, if you if you want to if you want to guess, if you think you know who it is, okay. go on, have right. a guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's Brian Sarr. It's not Brian Sarr. Oh, fuck's sake. Ooh. Would you rank a Vosper? Uh, I'll go Kevin Nicholson. Are you out of it? <laughs> That's worse no. than my guess. <laughs> it's, it's not Nico. No, sorry. Okay, so for four points then. He switched allegiance international level from England to Barbados, for whom he has two caps. Can you remind us of the first clue? Is your short-term memory really that bad? He's a defender who made 74 appearances for us between 13 and 15. And he switched allegiances to Barbados. For whom he has two caps. Yeah, he represented oh, England at a couple cool. of youth levels and has represented Barbados at senior level twice. <laughs> I would Anybody want to guess? I want to throw a joke one in, like Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise, bloody hell. Who remembers that? He's a, an administrator now, I think, at Mount Stewart Hospital. He was recently. Um, there you go. So that's... He's on. He's probably the, the, the politest and most intelligent man to ever play for Talk United. He was, yeah, I, I did speak to him a couple of times and he is, he's almost posh, isn't he? You can see why he did well at Arsenal. With yeah. Club, um, I, I can imagine he kind of like, you know, turns up at dinner party, sort of like, oh, tell us something about you. Like, um, played in the Champions League. No, you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> fucking did. <All> right. <laughs> isn't he a bit like Patrick Bamford? Like, he's ridiculously good at all yeah. and yeah. posh. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't know that about Bamford until recently because I'm no interested in Leeds United whatsoever. But yeah, as it turns out, I heard his post-match interview the other day, and it was like talking to Prince William. It was incredible. Everyone always has a go at him for saying that he's just like a, a jumped-up Tory in the Premier League. <laughs> That's like all the beef he gets. <laughs> does, does he? Does he care? Makes hundred and fifty thousand pound a week or whatever, banging in goals for a Premier okay. League football. So it's it's not Tom Cruise. It isn't Tom Cruise. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm struggling now. I really can't picture it. Normally, anyone. I know when we've got an international knocking about. I'm very happy with this. Tom, would you reckon? Any guesses? No. After my last one, I'm going to skip this round. Right. For three points, then. We signed him from Notts County. This silence will be good for the podcast. Yes, it will. Yeah. And he's a defender. Yeah. Did he? I don't know if I'm allowed to ask a question. Did he play for Barbados while he was playing for us, or was that like another part of his career? No idea. Okay. Uh, if it's not explicitly stated on Wikipedia, I don't know. <laughs> so there's another clue. He's got a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> okay. Oof. No, yeah. We, you've, I've, I've got. I've not got a clue. There will be people yelling at us now. Won't yeah, there? there'll be people. There will. There are going to be listeners screaming their heads off. Okay, so for two points then, you'll get it now. He went on to Mansfield Town, where he made 156 appearances. And now the penny drops. Christian Pierce it is. (sighs) Damn it all. I had no idea. So I was trying to think 
of black centre backs or full backs that we had in that era. And I could only think of Brian Saar. You couldn't think it's, it's, it's weird because Christian Pierce would have come first to my mind out of those two. I don't know why, you just would. Uh, for those of you who are listening and don't know who we're talking about, it's Christian Pierce. Uh, the last uh, clue since I went to the trouble to look it up was going to be signed this season for Solihull and currently plays for Boreham Wood. So right. there you go, that was Christian Pierce. Uh, so on to the next one then. I should warn you that these are getting progressively more difficult as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no so, all right, I, now, so I decided that the, if we were, cause we're all pretty much the same vintage here, aren't we, in terms of Torquay United. So I figured that if I only use players that kind of we were all going to know and have seen play, some of the people who listen to this podcast who have been following Torquay for a little bit longer are going to start to get bored of hearing basically people from Paul Buckle's era <laughs> onwards. Mark Ellis. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, it's Mark Ellis. Uh, it's Mark Ellis. Uh, it's Toddy. Uh, Kevin Hill. No. Um, so, yeah, this one is maybe a little bit of a half clue. Uh, I'm not sure any of us will have seen this guy play. Is that the first clue? It is not. It's a little additional clue just for you. People in podcast land will have seen this guy uh, on all seven of his appearances for us in the 2001-2002 season. That is your first clue for five points. Tom, uh, Liam Rossini. No. Good idea. Yeah, no, very nice. Um, I think... Um, saw Liam play for us. I think that was my first year, which would have been 2004. Stephen's going to throw a guess at an injury-prone midfielder, um, Matt Hewlett. When was he? (laughs) He was 2005. He he was supposedly Alex Russell's replacement. Um, I don't know if I'm completely off the mark in terms of era, but it's not Chrissy Waddle, is it? No, it's not. Um, That's... Maybe the best guess of the lot, but it is not, I'm afraid, no. So for four points then, um, he spent his entire playing career in the North, except for us. He racked up 331 starts for the likes of Hull, Blackpool and Doncaster. Has that helped you at all? Darren Moore? No, no, it's not, no. Anybody else? Dick, Owen, Tom. Um, for those of you who haven't uh, come to know this before, we record this on video, so I'm getting some absolutely brilliant visuals at the minute. Well, I, I'm, I'm considering doing what Tom did and just doing a really embarrassing guess, like Kevin Nicholson for yeah, 79 appearances. But uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it's before me, so it's always going to be embarrassing. But how many appearances did they make for us again? Seven. Oh. No, I'm I'm not even going to punt. No idea, Tom. Any no. idea? No. Next one. No. For three points, he went on to manage Southport twice, Cambridge, Luton, and Tranmere. Gary Brabin. Drift's got it for three. Oh, oh. where'd that come from? Gary Brabin. I tell you what I've done. I've gone down the. Um, I, I'm indebted. I should mention um, that I am indebted to Torquay fan stats, as basically every Torquay fan is. Yeah. Um, I just went down their all players list and picked people from the right sorts of eras uh, who were interesting to me. So yeah, Gary Brabin. It was. Uh, there were two more clues to follow on. Despite only playing seven matches for us, he managed to get himself sent off twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
uh, one of those was he, he signed from Hull for us, not directly, I don't think, but um, he previously played for Hull. Uh, and then we played them in a league game. He lasted about five minutes, <laughs> went in two-footed on somebody else, got set off, uh, came back, made another handful of appearances, got set what? off again, and then we cancelled his contract. What kind of um, what kind of era was he playing for us then? When was that? Oh one oh two. Oh okay, fine. So uh, Roy McFarland. Uh, yes, I think that was before a senior, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that was right. Uh, and just because I want to mention it because it's um, it's a nice clue. For one point, I would have asked you, uh, or I told you that uh, he was in the opposing dugout from Paul Buckle at Wembley in two thousand and nine. I would have got it then. You would have got it then. I think everybody in in Britain would have got it then. Go on. I don't expect any of you to get this next guy. Um, But I imagine that some people at home will will enjoy hearing of of this man. So for five points then, he's born in 1934 in Nuneaton and began his career at Birmingham City. Sammy Collins. No, I, you know, I spotted Sammy. I thought, why don't we do it? But then I figured, no, it's guessable. And I don't want somebody who's um, just going to be guessable. Robin Stubbs. No, it's not Stubbsy, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, skip me. No, skip Tom. All right. Uh, for four points, he made 286 appearances for Torquay between 1957 and 1967. He scored 68 goals for us oh. in that time. I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> Being born in 1993. <laughs> um, Gary Brabin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gary Brabin. Was it Gary Brabin or Christian Pierce? It was not. It was neither of those. I'm really sorry. Nor was it Kevin Nicholson. <laughs> I'm trying to think who's really old. Who's quite... I say really. Who's who's relatively old and scored some goals to Torquay? What was the name of that... Uh, Guy who came back to do the sort of commercial stuff and then tried to lead a consortium. Dean. Oh, Dean. No, it's not him. <laughs> no. Uh, sorry, no, not him. Um, right. Well, I don't. I don't imagine the next clue will help much for any of our guests here, but some people might make some use of it. After football, he began working as an estate agent. I know a man Verma did that, didn't he? <laughs> uh, he did, despite yeah. looking like he might have been born in 1934 and playing <laughs> like he might have been born in 1934. It's not Amman Verma. I think Alex Russell went on to do a state agency as well, you know. But he's not that old. <laughs> he no, it's not Alex Russell. Okay. I'm sure he went on to do something in a state agency. Who was, the, who was the goalie we had who went on to become a car salesman? And it was like a big BBC thing about how he made me. Oh, yeah, the backup and... goalie under Nico, yeah. yeah. right. That's See, the one. Right, that's him. Yeah. yeah, he went to sell Audis instead of playing football. Fine, you know, football is a career when you do it professionally. And if it's not a career for you, it's not a career for you. Um, and I hope he's having a lot of luck selling Audis. Because um, <laughs> there was nothing wrong with him. He was a perfectly decent bloke. Uh, this this chap, however, he died in 19... No, he didn't. He died in 2014. So he was 80 and he popped off. Very sad. So I probably did. Uh, okay, so dear, here's here's the follow-up question: Did the club do an obituary on him on the website? I imagine so, because bonus um, fact that I remember from looking this guy up, we gave him a testimonial because he played so many games for us against West Ham United 
so Ooh. yeah, I imagine we probably will have written something about him. I, bet, I, I, I think I remember seeing like a team sheet for this game recently, the testimonial. Go no, on. I'm, I'm not getting there. But no, I haven't got a clue. No, nobody no. knows. His son, you, well, I mean, it's still a bit early for us, but certainly a little bit more recent. His son, Maurice, made 66 appearances for us between 78 and 82. You've uh, got me. I, yeah, I no. <laughs> not no guess, no guesses forthcoming. It was, uh, for those of you listening at home, it was Jeff Cox. Congratulations if you got big Jeff Cox there. Um, Never heard of him. I just realized <laughs> never heard. Two hundred and eighty six appearances. I thought if I you know, I no good me picking somebody who made three appearances in nineteen thirty seven. But I thought if I choose somebody that's made a lot of appearances, some of the listeners will get that. To be honest, uh, I think for me, if they're if they're not on the history tab of football manager under Talk United before my era, um, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. So that was three steps to Bevan or five no, sorry, five steps to Bevan, we're calling it. Um the regular game, we might bring it back in the future. We might not. It depends what kind of reaction it gets online uh, after this episode gets broadcast. Um, Tom, c- Tom, can we just have you uh, just sing us five steps to Bevan, please, as a uh, kind of uh, thing, like a jingle for it, please? I've actually just lost my voice, unfortunately. So <laughs> really upsetting. We, um, I mean, apart from actually looking quite a lot like a rock star. Did we pick Tom for any reason? Has somebody unearthed something on Spotify that suggests that he might have been in a band? <laughs> no, okay, good. That's really upsetting. I was kind of hoping that maybe he, he did I'm like... Not, um... That's all That's all in my past. I'm trying to forget about it. So. Honest, he, he auditioned I... for the Kaisens, but didn't get in. Yeah. <laughs> I think I picked Tom because I thought he'd be the most uncomfortable with it, if I'm honest. Uh, that's why I went with it. <laughs> that's the only reason I wanted Tom on. Because <laughs> I thought he'd be uncomfortable about doing the whole podcast. Well, I've sat here and just said Kevin Nicholson. Missing <laughs> the question. I thought you meant he played 78 games between those dates. That's fine. That's okay. That's fine. It's, it's not really very fair because you were... Uh, you were Actually, how long have you, have you been in Sweden? Uh, well, nearly a year. Okay, fair enough. I was just, yeah, 18 I can't, years. I can't use that. That's not an excuse, but I'll, we can try and use that as my excuse. We can though. try and use that as an excuse. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, um, with that, I think um, my time here on this episode is done. Um, I'm off. I'm going to go and do other things today because the sun is shining. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so next up is a home tie against Hartlepool. Um, Obviously, they're on a good run at the moment. They're up there, but we did go up to their place and, uh, well, spank them 5-0 in front of the BT cameras, so... What are your thoughts going into that one? I think we're, I mean, stating the, the bleeding obvious, uh, we're in a different place now than where we were then. Um, about, about 400 miles, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That got the Steve Dixon giggle. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're um, yeah, I mean, obviously, they're, they're, you know, just for, for anyone who doesn't follow it quite as closely, they're, they're third in the table, four points behind us, played the same number of games. Um, they've scored 33 goals so far in the league, whereas we've scored 46. Um, they've conceded 23 and we've conceded 24. Um, but, uh, you know, despite the goals for and goals against, I think they, um, in terms of the form book, they're, they're in, they're in better Nick than us at the moment. If you look at the last five games, also, they've got a man in from Salford in December. I think they got him in December. They've got, uh, Luke Armstrong in on loan and he scored nine goals in 13 matches. 
Um, so he really looks like the one the one to watch for them and the one that's been kind of keeping them keeping them going. They beat Barnet uh, last weekend or this weekend, depending on how you're when you're listening to this one uh, 0 and it was Luke Armstrong with the goal. Um, uh, but you know that, that I mean we can't get away from it, despite what Sam said. That they're, they're they're a good side and. Uh, I'm not sure it's the ideal fixture for us at the time. I, I'd probably like another Solihull, uh, you know, someone who maybe isn't feeling the pressure of relegation and is, is you know, thinking about playoffs but aren't quite there yet. I, I'd prefer one of those, another one of those games. But uh, the National League uh, fixture list is relentless, and um, and Hartlepool it is. Um, I think that there are there are also a few question marks for us coming into this in terms of selection. I'd be, I'd be interested to know what you both think, but the, the, there's a few things that I think are going to start cropping up on on Gary Johnson's plate as as some players start to return to fitness. I know Sam said earlier some returning to aren't injured but aren't match fit and a little bit of that going on. Um, but um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. I just hope that we we kind of turn up because uh, although Matt said that we w- were looking better against Woking, it was still it was still another game without without uh, scoring, which is my main concern because at the start of the season we were blowing teams away, um, and I, I want to get back to doing that even if it's <laughs> not always that likely. Um, I mean, the first question I suppose I want to pose to you two is: I'm assuming the goalkeeper situation, we just go straight back to McDonald, but we've now. I'd assume so. He, you know, this guy that came in was clearly an emergency loan for a game. Collins is too. I don't think it would do any favours to Collins' development, yeah, who's no. who's what eighteen to throw him in against the Woking side. Because if he concedes four, you know that that his confidence shot and that's him done. Um, so too early for those kind of keepers. But you'd assume McDonald because he he is the number one keeper at the moment. Um, although Kovalan. Well, I was thinking, might, what, might be back. Yeah, does does but does Hamon go? Like, oh, you know, I I had a good ten minutes, put me in. I don't think it happens. I just thought it was a it's a question mark that that will probably be answered with McDonald. I think we all know that. But yeah, I'd, you don't. Yeah, I mean, how, how far off is Kovalan from returning to fitness? I don't know if he's. I really believe sure. they were hoping he was going to be back for um, contention for the Hartlepool game. Right. Okay. That would be interesting. He's certainly training at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, is he going to be match sharp? Yeah. I think um, what I will say about Hartlepool, obviously we just destroyed them five nil earlier in the season, and it was a brilliant all round talky performance. But I think they they were Hartlepool at the time were very disappointing, and I'm I for one I'm very surprised that they've managed to put this run together, and now they're up there with us again. I thought as soon as we beat them five nil even though they'd been on an unbeaten run going into that game, I thought they would certainly fall away and they didn't look like they would offer anything. They didn't have any injury. It was a pretty much full strength 11 and we we managed that game perfectly and just completely saw them saw them out, didn't we, off the park. So I can't believe they're up here again. So to go into a home game against them, knowing that they're just behind us, I think psychologically we've got that 5-0 win. Johnson will say that obviously to them. Now on home turf, they we've done this before. They might have a new a new striker, but and we might have our injuries. But our all round game that day was pretty much perfect, and we just sort of half matched that. And we can see this game out and get back to back to back wins again. Do you think? Do you both think with the 
with the way our injury list is going, I, we, we can't keep going on about it. But if you put both sides' current first 11s on there, it, including injuries, is in, uh, assume, the, assume the injured players are gone. Do you think our current first 11 is better than their current first 11? Because I, I, I personally have doubts in terms of what I can see. Um, it's difficult. It really depends who's fit. You know, if yeah. we can put in McDonald or Coverland, um, you know, if we can get Moxie back, so even with Moxie back, um, even if you're playing Sherring and Lewis in, in the middle and winter right back, it's the first, you know, be the first time in months that we've had a, a proper back four, like a second back four. Moxie just balances it, doesn't it? And he gives, well, he, he, I know he can't run, but he, he can't run. He can run. He can run a month <laughs> better than I do. But he, he gives us so much going forward as well. Um, just with his, like, he, he's he's an intelligent player and his delivery well, he links up so yeah. well with Whitfield. That, I mean, their understanding is brilliant. But if you get Moxie back and if Bowden's, you know, kind of, he'd have been training with the team for two and a half weeks then or whatever, or 10 days or, you know, whatever he'll, he'll be, you'd presume he'd start and you think actually on paper, we've got a good 11, you know, Evans in just behind him. Um, I I think having that midfield three is key as well. That, you know, Evans, Hall and Randall sort of three, because that very much reminds me of, um, to an extent, that kind of midfield we had with uh, Martin Ling when you had mm. Lee Mansell, Lathrop and Yunan, and it just worked so well. And it's it's a similar way we play now. And yeah, I, I do think if a lot of it hinges on who gets the first goal, which is a cliche, but you know if we get the first goal, I think we're okay. If they score first, we're in that position where our heads seem to drop. We need to get that confidence back. So. You know, you beat one of your closer right promotion rivals, and that's that's massive. You know, I think I I, I would back us to win it on Saturday. I also think uh, I know you said it, who scores first is crucial. I think it is. I think the mentality of our team is does seem to be affected if we if we concede first. Um, but what I'd also say is that in a few of the games I've seen, when we've been on top for like the first ten minutes, there was that game in the in the wind the other Tuesday night. Um, that you know we lost it. Um, uh, Wildstone. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that one. Uh, I, I actually thought because we were on top for that first 10 minutes and didn't score, I thought that also affected our team because they, because of our lack of form, head, you could see heads start to drop even though, you know, nothing had especially gone wrong yet. We just hadn't stuck the ball in the net. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried that, that that kind of thing creeps in when you're in bad form. But hopefully we're, we're, hopefully we're turning it a little bit uh, to, a, to the point where we can kind of understand if we don't score for 10 minutes if we're on top and just kind of keep plugging away but that that's what concerned me the most against Wheelstone was the the kind of on top for 10 minutes and then already you can see like nerves at the back when they go forward going oh god like we know we know this script they score now mm. uh, <laughs> no I know what you mean always very quick out of the blocks aren't we and I think Johnson certainly prides himself on the fact that despite our injuries obviously as a team our fitness is always second to none isn't it and if you look at the start of the season there was a few games which we won the points in the last effectively like the last kick of the game and again they we always come out quick we have a good 10 minutes but then back when we were on our good run we didn't it didn't seem to phase us did it so you obviously said about the confidence seems to drain yeah. us you don't score after 10 15 minutes and i think that was the case then but then there seemed to be a belief in the side that oh it doesn't matter because we'll 
we've we've always got the last 10 minutes and we'll grab something and we'll nick something then and not sure if that's sort of faded away a bit i think as soon as you start getting injuries and the the starting 11 starts to change then maybe the emphasis goes goes with it but yeah, I think if you can get a bit of consistency with the lineup, which you know will happen again in the not too distant future, I think that's that's when things start to click again. Because I think sometimes you just when you've got strikers who are out of form and you change them up a bit, that you know your wingers and 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 Evans trying to get that kind of chemistry back just doesn't work as well. So if you can get a consistent lineup for a few weeks. Mm. You know, all right, we lost against Woking, but I don't think they'll take that to heart too much. I think knowing that they beat Solihull away in the league and we're still top, you know, people kind of keep worrying. And I know get teams got games in hand, but you've got to do something with those games in hand. You look at um, Sutton, like I say, at the next seven, they've only got two home games. Now, all of their home games, they've got an advantage of playing on plastic, yeah. you know, unless they're playing Bromley, you know, that every other team is kind of ready for them to you know they're not used to playing on grass as much so you know I think if we people forget we are still four points clear you beat Hartlepool you're then seven clear of them and it's you know that gap starts to open up a little bit again so I think that the you know the players will know exactly what's at stake and what they need to do and I, I, I fully expect us to to get a result on Saturday. Do you so here's here's the question then and another one I'd written down just to put to you both. If you'd offered if you offer Gary Johnson a point from this game before it, does he take it? I no. don't think he does. I always think Gary Johnson wants to win every single game that he plays, isn't he? I think just the fact that he got so angry at the weekend in the game against Woking because we didn't <laughs> we had our last minute equaliser ruled off for offside. I think he's every single game he goes in wanting three points or to progress in a cup doesn't he so I don't I think he would not want to take that at all no I I think especially in this division where really anyone could beat anyone you, you I think he'll go into every game expecting to win mm. I think the only difference is maybe for Sutton and Notts County playing those two teams back to back and having the points lead and the game in hand that seemed that was a bit of a different question I'd say going into those two games I think he certainly would have wanted the two points just to hold hold them off rather than kill them off basically I think taking them with me no no uh no I, I I'm looking forward to it I think it should be a, it should be a good battle in the in in the weekend and I think um I I mean I, I reckon Hartlepool will probably not still hurting from the from the final humbling but I it, it'll you know make no mistake it'll be sticking around in some of their minds and thinking that they want to make sure they um give a better show for themselves yeah. without a doubt Hundred percent, and also the thing to consider is I know I never know how much this actually comes into play, but you know with travelling and staying in hotels and everything, even though they they they're allowed to, it's not as easy at the moment. Let's be honest, they've they've still got a mammoth trip to do. You know, Torquay for most teams is a long old drive. For Hartlepool, it's a long old thing. You know, if um, I always wonder how much that comes into play with those kind of things. Um, all right, we beat them up at their place, but. <laughs> yeah i don't know no no yeah it's a yeah it's an interesting prospect but yeah looking forward to it brilliant well that is i think everything um so yeah thank you for listening again and uh playing along with our game <laughs> um this uh the, so the next one will be next sunday following the hartley game um 
fingers crossed for a win and we will speak to you soon.